Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm joined by Mark as we discuss perhaps the biggest talking point of the international break so far, which is whether or not it is time to wildcard. We had a bit of a chat about this uh, last week, I think it was, uh, moving uh, into game week four because a lot of people were thinking about doing it then. But it remains part of the conversation and with uh, a little bit of extra time to tinker, it's very much on everybody's mind. So how are you getting on, Mark? What's uh, going on with your squad are you thinking about wildcarding? And uh, yeah, I think you've been doing some work on wildcards in your role in the editorial room this week as well, haven't you? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, we did an exact piece on whether um, what the pros and cons of a of a game week five wildcard are, and we also had pro pundit Simon March do his own piece, giving his own opinion, um, sort of on a on a wider level, not specifically for now, but about using it early and. Why us? I mean, that used to be quite. That used to be the normal, the normal strategy for people, really, didn't it? Using an early wild card. But I think the World Cup unlimited period from last year has maybe got us thinking about not using it so early. Oh yeah, absolutely, very much. And uh, we've actually seen also in a number of years gone by, uh, those who wildcard a bit later on actually tend to do a little bit better because uh, they are able to shorten the time between their first wildcard and their second wildcard, which you usually deploy uh, in the chip season or just before the chip season. And so going early can mean potentially sometimes leaving a gap between like game week five, let's say, and game week 27, 28, 29. That's quite a long time to not be able to make big changes and respond to things. So yeah, certainly it's going to be interesting to see how people uh, navigate this season without having the World Cup in the middle and those unlimited transfers. And of course, we had unlimited transfers in the 2019, I want to say 20 season as well, like the COVID season, the first one, because there were a few of them uh, towards the back end of it. So I think we've become a little bit accustomed to those unlimited transfers in many ways. So yeah, it's all about finding out the right time uh, uh, to do it. So yeah, and we've got some people joining us in the chat. A lot of people uh, wondering about wildcarding. So uh, good to see uh, everybody here. Uh, G Wiz. Uh, is uh, is here as well. Good CG was. Uh, he's going to be keeping you all honest um, with his moderator capabilities. So good to see him there. Um, we've also got uh, Nicholas David joining us from Trinidad and Tobago. Mustafa joining us from Egypt. Uh, Graham joining us from Miami. Um, I mean, wow, it's a truly international stream today. So it's uh, good to see everybody. Um, and what we should say actually is, uh, if you uh, uh, are wildcarding this week, let us know in the comments. Um, and if you've got some drafts, uh, we can we can have a look at those as well. What we're going to do today is we're going to go over the pros and cons of wildcarding in game week five, pros and cons of wildcarding in game week nine, and then a looser look at some later stages uh, that we can wildcard as well. And Mark has prepared a game week five draft. I've prepared a game week nine draft. Um, but yeah, we'd be very interested uh, to see what other people um, are. I'm going to say um chat uh, sport says i've never used the wildcard early but looking at doing it early this season never worked out better holding on to it now oh, well there we are presenting the counter opinion there to what i just mentioned so yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, how people are getting on uh, with that and how people do get on with that manchester united said uh, i i did a planned game week four wildcard had three brighton from the off and salah versus bournemouth and then changed for a chelsea swing um so yeah um there's lots of different approaches we can take we've got 98 of you watching live it's good to to have you here it's the lunchtime in the uk i don't know what time it is for egypt trinidad and tobago and, and miami do let us know uh, and of course, don't forget to like the stream as well. Uh, only thirteen of you have done that so far. That's just that's just under one, just over one tenth of the people watching. So come on, guys, let's let's boost that up. Um, let's have some likes for these wildcard uh, drafts. Now, before we get too uh, far into things, another reminder, of course, to get your fantasy football scout uh, membership uh, sorted out for game week five as well. Especially if you're wildcarding, because you're going to want to review absolutely every shred of data possible uh, to uh, make the right decision for your wildcard. So you can still save up to thirty percent on this preseason price is a good time uh, to uh, get involved uh, with uh, with that. So yeah, get yourself sorted uh, for game week five. 
So, Mark, let's uh, talk about the Game Week 5 wildcard then. What I've stuck on the screen is the season ticker between Game Weeks 5 and 16, uh, which, of course, shows which teams have the best fixtures for this run. Burnley, Newcastle, Liverpool, Fulham, Man United and Crystal Palace are very much top of the season ticker for this run. We've got Chelsea, Bournemouth, West Ham, Brentford, Sheffield United and Everton near the bottom, with Man City pulled quite down as well. So, yeah, would you want to talk us through uh, a bit, some, a few of the bits and bobs from your article this week, uh, having a look at the pros and cons of a Game Week 5 wildcard? Let's see if that can help some of the viewers today. Yes, well, it was slightly um, altered. Um, it hasn't quite gone out live yet, but the announcement of the Burnley versus Luton, uh, sort of the postponed game from game week two, it, it's now formed the double game week seven. So that, first of all, that does affect the ticker a bit there because it puts Burnley on top. And um, I wouldn't say it sort of instantly makes Burnley and Luton assets attractive buys but certainly if you've already got their cheap defenders for example or you're sort of thinking of perhaps a Carlton Morris or um, even a Lyle Foster uh, there's potential for that but uh, yeah it's mostly about um, Newcastle's fixture swing and one of the things I would say about it is if you do use a wild card this week it's feel like it's only worth it's only justifiable if you're either going from a non-salar to a salar squad or vice versa and maybe if you've already got salar and he's, he's delivered for you every match but um maybe you want to spread that spread those funds out that's what a wild card could sort of do but if, if you're already committing if you're already sticking to the side that you're already on it's probably well, it's very doable to just get a Newcastle defender and maybe just use your free transfers to correct a couple of things because a lot of the players who look good over the immediate next few game weeks were already part of the template. So part of the argument against using one this week is that there's a much bigger fixture swing coming up as as you'll probably come to. You will need to have a look at what you don't have and what you feel like you need to have. And if you need more than a couple of transfers to sort that out, then is it worth the wild card? Probably not, to be honest, because you look at uh, Newcastle, as you said, you can get to quite easily. Um, Liverpool, people maybe already have Salah, or if they don't, they have Sabozlaya, they've got uh, Diaz, or they've got Jota. Man United are also up near the top of the season ticker as well. Brighton at home, Burnley away, Crystal Palace at home, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away. A lot of people probably still have Rashford. Uh, a lot of people held him, for example, so you don't need to wild card to get him in, probably, is my assumption. Um, you know, Man City, whilst they drop down the season ticker, are you really getting rid of Erlen Haaland? Probably not. Foden is... Maybe someone who people are going to be a bit stressed by, but the fixtures are still good. West Ham away, Forest at home, Wolves away. Um, the the team that you need to get to to best benefit from this period, I don't think needs a wild card to get to. And the the most important thing, to be honest, is that Burnley and Luton game week seven. I think that forces the wild card to be beyond that point even more. If you wild card before it you are effectively going to have to either come up with a Burnley and Luton exit plan or ignore them completely, Um, either of which is fine. But I think I would much rather not dead end into game week seven, but I don't mind giving Morris a go, if I'm honest. I mean, especially when you look at Luton's fixtures for the next four. Fulham away, Wolves at home, Everton away, Burnley at home. Actually, they're not going to get a better quartet of fixtures this season, to be honest. So I don't mind giving Morris a go, but I don't want him there long term. So I want to get rid of him. <laughs> so, you know, he can go away in a game week nine wildcard potentially. Same with uh, Lyle Foster. I mean, I, I can't see myself being interested in him other than in game week seven. So um, I think that double game week seven actually pushes the need for the wildcard beyond game week seven now. Or alternatively, you just ignore them both. It is probably the most underwhelming double game week in history, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, and that double game week, does coincide with just a lot of generally strong fixtures for the other teams. So um, if, if you're going to play a Burnley or Luton, it, it's probably involves benching quite a good fixture. So I do wonder if that's going to make it a bit of a non-issue, really. Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a shame because I think that in an in international break, it's really nice to talk about uh, wildcards and you know how we can change things up and things like that. 
yeah, I'm finding I'm finding it really hard to justify a game week five wildcard, if I'm honest. And we'll tell you what we'll do, Mark. Let's but, put, oh, well, sorry, you've talked about well, it. Sorry. It does totally depend on how many fires you have to put out. Yes. Because, you know, we're saying that and we're, we're coming from a, a good perspective. We've both had a, a good start of the season. But if, if you were really unlucky with some of those injuries um, and some of the, like, if, if you had the likes of uh, Luke Shaw, Mings, Varane, and also you've, maybe had enough of Jordan Pickford or you still haven't sold Gabriel yet, things like that. The Jao Pedro situation. If you've got a lot of fires to put out, then perhaps yes. But if your team is relatively okay and you don't have some of those problems, yeah, it, it might be too early. Mm. Well, let's put the uh, Game Week 5 draft that you've put together on the screen just to sort of help uh, bed that in with uh, some specific examples. And for the benefit of the podcast listeners, um, the uh, Game Week 5 uh, wildcard draft that you put together has Turner and Ariola as the goalkeepers, Udogi, Chilwell, Cash as a starting back three with Cher and Bayer on the bench. Uh, then Saka, Salah, Fernandez, and Bermo, Madison as the midfield five. Haaland up front uh, with uh, Morris as the second striker. And then, of course, Cameron Archer as the second substitute uh, as well. Um, I mean, that's not far off my current team, if I'm honest. I'm just sort of working out how many I've got already. So Turner, I've got. Chilwell, I've got. Cash, I've got. That's three. Saka uh, and Bermo, Madison. That's six, I think. Seven for Haaland. Eight if you include Archer. Uh, not many people are going to necessarily have cash. Uh, I don't have a dogie, but it's not that hard to get to him. To be honest, I'm tempted to do Gabriel to a dogie this week, for example. Um, I've got Flecken in goal. I'm kind of happy with for now. And I might at some point do Turner to Ariola, but not yet because West Ham's fixtures haven't really turned, haven't really turned yet, although they will. Uh, I I, this, this, I think this is the thing. I mean, looking at that, that looks very template anyway. Yeah. And and when I say template, that obviously isn't an insult. I think. Being te- nobody, people shouldn't be afraid of being template. But yeah, if a wild card is going to be too similar to what you already have, then it's then the power of the wild card is almost diminished. Yeah, the, the, I, I was a bit reluctant with this squad. I, I know I've put it together, but I look at it now and I'm not entirely proud of it. A because there was sort of a desire to try and not just have the template, but the reality is, yeah, a, a lot of the a lot of the standard picks right now are still the best picks for the next few weeks. So not particularly proud of having the two cheap goalkeepers rotating, but their fixtures go okay together. I think the only reason they've done that and had such a cheap second striker is because if I'm going to wild card, it would be to get Salah in and sacrifices need to be made for that. Money needs to be raised from somewhere. Um, there's not a great amount of appealing forwards anyway right now and Morrison does have that immediate short-term run and then once his run ends it could be another one of the 5.5 6 million strikers there's a few good ones out there um, and some others with good fixture ones coming up so that spot could rotate but it's 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 not an amazing team and there's there's some high profile absences like this one doesn't have the opinion in there um, it doesn't have any of the Chelsea attackers like Jackson or Sterling um, Aston Villa ones could maybe come in a little bit further down the line even though they are high on the on the fixture ticker as you as you showed earlier it's it's more about what happens after the next three or four game weeks where their fixtures really take off so um, some of the high profile absentees can just be transferred in a, in a few weeks' time, but it's uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know how to feel about that team. It's 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 good, but it's not vastly different, and I don't think it's going to achieve a huge jump in the rankings for anyone. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend you here, Mark. I actually, it's not a bad team. I th- I think the the problem is more the fact that it's too similar to a lot of stuff that's that's out there right now I, I guess in a lot of people's teams um i think the high pro- the high profile absences are again again not actually necessarily an issue to be honest i mean when we talk about wildcarding one of the things that is important sometimes is maybe 
coming away from people who are um, still widely owned because you perhaps feel that their time is up and that gives you the opportunity to move to the next new trend before other people do so i don't think we uh, anyone who is considering it i don't think you should be too scared if you don't have some of those uh people on the list so stupid Ann jackson sterling watkins and rashford i think were the ones you you mentioned when we were when we were preparing this uh, and obviously you've d- mentioned a couple of them there i mean we, a lot of people had been thinking we needed a, a brighton exit plan uh, to be honest and you know obviously there's no brighton attackers there and just go back to the season ticker and see where brighton are they're sort of yeah, the sort of lower mid-table for game week five on was United away, Aston Villa away, Liverpool at home, City away. Uh, that's four of their next five. So, you know, uh, not having a super now for that run is maybe not the end of the world. Uh, Chelsea and, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, well, when Chelsea's yeah. fixtures end, Brighton's turn quite good again. So you could sort of go from one to the other, perhaps, maybe, with mm. that team. But I don't think you need to be concerned about having neither Sterling nor Jackson because, I mean, let's be honest, the the Chelsea fixture swing, it has happened already. Has it delivered as many points as we hoped it would? No. Uh, has Sterling done anything outside of the Luton game to really get anyone all that excited points-wise? No. Uh, has Jackson massively underwhelmed in, you know having lots of chances but can't stick them the way stick them away? Yes. <laughs> you know, so whilst they are glaring absences from the from the template, I guess, those players, template is not always right. Or rather, let's use the word crowd. I think template is a better used to describe as like the, you know, the meta, the, the the best team right now as seen by people. But in terms of like general opinion, I mean, uh, to be fair, I sit here with Jackson, so maybe maybe I'm a mug as well. But the point is, is that if, if I was making a draft of Game Week 5, I wouldn't want to be heavily invested in Chelsea because we're back on the season ticker again and they're bottom of the season ticker now. <laughs> they were top of it from Game Week 3 onwards or, or from 3 to, to 10, I think it was. But between Game Weeks 5 and 16, I mean, it's awful. So... They've got. They've still got a few games to go. But then, actually, to be honest, this is another reason why the game week nine wildcard is just so much better than the five because there's still value in Chelsea between game week five and eight. Bournemouth away, Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. But then you go from game week nine onwards, and this is why they've been pulled all the way to the bottom of the season ticker. Arsenal at home, Brentford at home, Spurs away, Man City at home, Newcastle away. I mean, that's that's awful. I mean, that's that's three Champions League teams in the space of five weeks. Spurs, who, you know, are have been a Champions League team in in recent years um, as well. Brentford are this season's, you know, up-and-coming team. Well, well, that perhaps feels disrespectful to say because they've been up-and-coming in the Premier League for a number of years, but th- that's the point, really. you got the United away in game week 15. So I'd rather jettison my Chelsea players in game week 9 than game week 5. But if I was wildcarding game week 5, I probably would jettison them now anyway in favour of other people so I don't have to do surgery in game week 9. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a few mentions in the comments about Sun. Uh, Yeah, one of the main reasons you would probably wildcard this week is, is the appeal of Sun being up front. But... And the reason he wasn't in mine was just money reasons. Like Madison's cheaper and also brilliant, and every penny's needed to get Salah in if 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 that's the route taken. Well, let's um have a look at the game week nine wildcard now, uh, just to sort of uh, help people uh, see the advantages of going at that particular stage of the season. Uh, and uh, what we've got on the season ticker for this run is game week nine to game week sixteen. Uh, I think it's sorted for overall. Uh, top of uh, the tree is Liverpool. Their fixtures in game weeks nine to eleven, especially, look really nice. Everton at home, Forest at home, Luton away. Uh, you got West Ham up there as well. Uh, you got Arsenal, third best, Man United, fourth best, Villa, fifth best. Um, and then, yeah, as we mentioned already, Everton, Chelsea and Man City are quite near the bottom of the, the season ticker. Some really nice uh, fixture swings here as well. Also, I think it is for Nottingham Forest, who um, have been performing above expectations so far. And so when I look at uh, how some of their fixtures um, spin out on attacking potential, I'm very excited. So that's on the screen right now is game weeks 9 to 16 from overall. From an attacking perspective between game week 9 and game week 20, which I think is the last week you can use the first wildcard, Nottingham Forest have the third highest uh, in terms of fixture difficulty or fixture ease, I should say. Uh, Newcastle also very much uh, up there as well. And so between West Ham, Forest, Newcastle, you know, you've got three teams there um, who it makes no sense to be invested in either now 
or game week five, although perhaps with Newcastle you do because game week six looks good. But um, you've just got a couple of teams there uh, that you it's going to be difficult to invest in now easier to justify movement towards them from game week nine it's quite a wild fixture swing because also at that time Chelsea uh, as I said they they drop to second worst for attacking potential Brentford go right down as well uh, they're fourth worst for attacking potential between game weeks uh, nine and 20 uh, and of course it does feature them having a blank game week but they do also have to visit Chelsea in game week 10 Liverpool in game week 12 and have to host Arsenal in game week 13 they go away to Brighton in game week 15 so it's not a nice particular run for them either. And we're obviously very heavily invested in them right now, uh, for example. And so with that in mind, I stuck together a game week nine draft, uh, which uh, I actually realized I've not actually shown Mark yet. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to read it out for the benefit of the podcast listeners. And in the time it takes me to read it out, uh, I guess he will be able to see it perhaps on the YouTube stream and he might uh, be able to give his opinion. Um, I am also not in love with this either. So it's worth saying that neither one of us are in love with the drafts we put together. Um, and so, yeah, I went with Ariola and Flecken as my goalkeepers because even though I've just mentioned those difficult Brentford games, they do actually have a couple of nice ones interspersed and a rotation with Ariola could potentially work. I got Trippier, Udogi and Canate at Liverpool, who I know is injured right now, uh, but we're hoping he's going to be fit. Uh, around middle of September and so by game week nine might be in a better position uh, to be playing games. Liverpool's fixtures defensively do look good in terms of the fixtures that they've got. Uh, do I trust the fullbacks? Not really. Do I want to pay for them? Not really. So getting away with just paying, I think it's five million for Canate. Maybe. I'm not sure. But as I said, I don't love this draft. Bulldog and Cabore finishing off uh, the team. Then it's a, a five-man midfield of Saka, Salah, Bruno Fernandes, Bowen, and interestingly enough, Anthony Gordon, who at the moment is the Newcastle player with the highest expected goal involvement and has played more minutes than Isak as well. So isn't getting replaced uh, as often as Isak seems to be. And he's just 5.5 million. Uh, and I think he's the top scoring uh, Newcastle midfielder as well. So I quite like going in there because I wouldn't have justification to go anywhere near him until game week nine. And then Archer still as the as the forward because there's no one really offering much in the 4.5 million midfielder category. And so it's Haaland and Awanyi up front, who I, I honestly can't wait to own Awanyi. I, I hope that I can still justify owning him by game week nine. But yeah. I just don't want to go anywhere near him now. So that's the thing here is this team is really, really different. It kind of looks terrible, which is maybe because it looks it would be terrible now, but might serve better game week nine. But rip it to shreds, Mark. Tell me, uh, tell me what you think of this one. Uh, well, at first glance, yeah, um, I sort of do sometimes um, when I'm on my own at home. Well, um, already start looking at. Wildcard drafts and it's it's pretty similar in certain ways. Um, it's not. I haven't got any Aston Villa in there. Um, there's so many midfield options though. Like I know I was thinking, oh well, even if I preferred Diaby to Watkins, like who would be sacrificed for that? Because yeah, Jared Bowen has good games and, and way more. It's hard to drop at the moment, stuff like that. So there's, and then Madison as well. So yeah, there's. Even even from gaming nine onwards, it will feel hard to get the midfield down at five, and then Watkins is maybe a bit too much to have alongside Salah and Haaland. I don't think the budget quite goes with that. Are you tempted to get a Villa defender in there, perhaps or not? Maybe. I mean, the the, the funny thing is, you've obviously mentioned Villa there, and um, like. I have cash and, and DRB at the moment. So to be honest, maybe I want to work hard even later than game week nine. <laughs> maybe I can get to this with my free transfers, which I'm not that upset by. I, I keep saying I want to use it as late as possible and I'm not writing off using it in and around that blank game week with Man City and Brentford because the better that Brentford get and the more I get invested in them, the more I could be short four or five players for that game week. So dead-ending my team into that and then wildcarding afterwards, maybe. If if even by game week nine, I still need my Aston Villa players. Uh, I think the problem at the moment is just working out where to put them. Um, I think, I mean, to be honest, maybe it's in a place of Udogi. Um, I'll, I'll just have a look at uh, defensive uh, fixtures on the season ticker. Uh, oh well, so the problem is, is that when you select defense, actually Spurs' defense comes right up. So Fulham, Palace, Wolves are three of their four games between game week nine and twelve. So I do quite fancy Spurs' clean sheets there. Um, whereas, you know, um, 
you know it's tricky there's so many things up in the air i mean i i I definitely want newcastle i definitely i think want spurs maybe he goes in in place of liverpool but liverpool's fixtures are hard to ignore as well because it's everton and luton in game weeks nine and eleven um but knowing how to invest in those is 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 hard then they then face fulham and sheffield united game weeks 14 and 15 burnley game week 19 i'd love to put a liverpool defender in a rotation but you're never going to get the price points for it, so maybe it has to go. Maybe it has to go in there. I mean, the thing is, let's not rule out the fact that maybe by this stage, Trent and or Robertson has become in inverted commas must own. Because if we see, I'm not seeing enough from either of them offensively yet uh, to justify it. But that's not to say that they don't put the shift in between game weeks five and eight, and then all of a sudden for game week nine, they do need investing in. Um, because when Trent is on it. He is super on it. And because he's high profile, everybody goes for him. Um, and because there's going to be a lot of wild cards probably played around this time, people will probably be able to get to him quite easily. And so I'm, basically, I just, I'm not ruling out having to be invested in quite an expensive Liverpool defender, which, of course, then uh, restricts other things like Villa. I don't know. What, what, do you, what, what have you seen so far in the, in the Liverpool defence? Is there anything that particularly takes your eye? It's just really these fixtures that make me feel like we have to think about it. Um, don't really have a lot of confidence in the Liverpool defence, really. Um, but I think, yeah, if I did, it, it would probably be going for a cheaper coverage of clean sheets. Like, as you say, like Canate, like, I don't know, just not feeling it with Trent this year. Bad time to say that because he did have a really good game week four. But, um, yeah, I just don't know how to feel about Liverpool outside of Salah, really. And even, like, if you... Even when you see Darwin Nunez do what he did the other week, he's still not the, the, the same problems persist. And unless Liverpool get an injury to one of their forwards, he's still sort of still sort of three from five there. So I suppose the big questions about yours, uh, the Newcastles. I don't know how much bias is coming into this for me, but um, sort of Anthony Gordon is there, and I think. I don't think Barnes has started any match yet, but that that time is coming, I think. In the same way that like anyone who's invested in um in Isaac up front, there's probably going to be a disappointment there at some point because Wilson, well, once the Champions League games get kicked in, there's going to be some rotation between these guys. Um, one of the things Newcastle have done this year is add a bit of depth for the squad, um, which could also affect Trippier, of course. You know, maybe uh, Livermore gets a run out one of those games so there's even the argument of could Trippier be downgraded to either Cher or Botman and what could that money do perhaps I don't know yeah that's one I'm not ruling out I think um, I've seen a lot of uh, Cher and Botman on Game Week 5 wildcard drafts yours included actually um, I'm not ruling that out because yeah the handy thing about I mean again this is actually the other thing about going in game week nine instead of game week five I don't want to sound like a broken record but while carding before we have any idea what European football is going to do for the subtle nuances of selection in all of these different teams is a huge risk because you could end up because if you're wild carding now you're going to have to get some Newcastle because now's the time right their fixtures are starting to get good so you're either using your free transfers without the wild card to get a newcastle player or you're including one on your wild card with absolutely no knowledge of who gets the nod in europe and who gets the nod in the premier league you know you'd imagine that trippier would get a get more time in europe because a he's better and i mean wow Newcastle have some pretty beefy fixtures in the Champions League, um, you know, compared to your Lutons and your Sheffield Uniteds, uh, which is, of course, no disrespect to those teams. But let's not also forget Trippier has played in Europe. Now, obviously, I know the Premier League is in Europe, but by that I mean he has played domestic football on the continent. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he may have also played European football for Spurs. So um, that experience is going to probably, yeah, involve him in more Champions League games, whereas Livramento, a little bit more Premier League experience than Continental experience, so maybe he gets the Premier League games. If that happens, then that's quite useful for a Game Week 9 wildcard because, yeah, as you say, downgrading him to uh, someone a bit less uh, glamorous but more likely to start games, that's good because that could maybe help me upgrade Canate to uh, Robertson if I wanted to, for example. Um, but I also wanted to, uh, but you obviously mentioned Gordon and Barnes as well. And yeah, it's good obviously to get your input. And I was, I was actually going to ask you about Newcastle rotation anyway. So thank you for reading my mind. My, my guess is this. Now you can give me your opinion and tell me I'm wrong if, if you want. Um, with Harvey Barnes, has played European football before with Leicester. 
And so um, could the Champions League games be where we see Harvey Barnes, Anthony Gordon, less, um, you know, less football on the continent uh, with Everton, understandably, less involved in Europe than, than Leicester were. Maybe he gets the Premier League games. I mean, it's Possibly. a kind of wait and see. It's definitely wait and see. In fairness, I know it's not quite the same, but Anthony Gordon had a brilliant summer with the England and the 21s, um, which... Yeah, that's that's it's not the same thing, but you know he has gone on the continent and had a good time. Um, it's yeah, it's it's tough to call it. It's, from a fan's perspective, I found the Barnes signing a bit odd because the bigger weakness seemed to be the right flank with Almiron, and also Joe Linton's arguably one of Joe Linton's best roles is from the left, and sort of that's. He's almost like scrapped that with the signing of Barnes because then there's two ahead of him there. But yeah, there was some of Newcastle's best moments in the in the later months of last season was when you had Willick and Joe Linton sort of interchanging. Like in the match, one of them would be left centre midfield and one of them would be on the left wing and they'd sort of interchange all the time. And that was a really good part of the team. And it looks like that's been, that's not going to happen anymore. So I, I found that a a bit odd, but Eddie Howe knows best, of course. Um, and then when it comes to Gordon V, you're right, Barnes does have more European experience, but uh, that's why waiting a bit longer answers these questions because we just don't know yet. And Newcastle's favoured back four last season of Trippier, Cher, Botman, and Byrne, they started 31 of the 38 matches, but you can't, like, it shouldn't be that this year. Um, is this the year when you, you're going to see Liverman or step in for some games? Lewis Hall's arrived now. He, so there might be a little bit more resting going on in the back line. So even when you say oh, Trippier could be downgraded to Cher or, or Botman, there might be the occasional game where Byrne plays in Botman's spot, especially when he's just got hurt um, at the weekend. So there might be a little bit of mm, be careful with Botman that could be going on so it's um I, I hate to sort of answer with a series of questions there <laughs> but uh with Newcastle we just don't know yet heading into game week five but we should know a bit more by game week nine yeah but I mean it's, it's fine I, mean, I think I think hopefully people don't feel too bashed over the head but I just think the general point is there's so many unanswered questions that I mean even talking about a game week five wildcard to me seems odd unless teams are in a total mess but um, I mean, I think what perhaps uh, sums it up is uh, a suggestion. I think it was from uh, Dom Drewsbury. He said, that for what's on the screen right now, go Diaby over Gordon and downgrade, uh, downgrade Fernandez to Madison. Well, both those players are currently in my team. So <laughs> maybe I go even later than game week nine. Um, but just to finish off on, on Newcastle, uh, before I ask this question, apologies if there is any sort of background noise from me today. It is super hot here in Plymouth. So I've actually got my window open. I was nowhere I was going to be able to stream with that window closed. Um, but yeah, uh, Pete says if gambling on tune attack, surely Wilson is the shout because Isak is is made for the Champions League. I guess same logic. I was actually going to ask this anyway, so thank you, uh, Pete, for mentioning it. Um, you know, it's almost the same dynamic, I guess, as Gordon and, and Barnes, and that one of them has got a lot more experience playing football on the continent than the other. And Wilson is hardly a downgrade in the Premier League. In fact, he's got a, has a much better Premier League goal scoring record than Isak does. Yeah, and it's strange saying that because Isak is a lot younger than Wilson, but Isak is the experienced one on the continent. He, he, he'll be against former club Dortmund, um, for example. And yeah, that there is that does make sense that that maybe the, the likes of Trippier and Isak are going to sort of have their experience deployed in European games, but I don't know if that's enough to say that Wilson starts all league games or even if he starts like three out of four like at best it might be 50 50 um and that still probably wouldn't be good enough to to justify the purchase people are trying to sell Jao pedro because he started 50 percent um so i think going from that to either wilson or isa might might do the same thing Hmm. Well, speaking of forwards, um, we've got a question from Nuclear Atoms who says, where is Lyle Foster in all of this? Um, apparently he's seen, he spotted you tweeting about it, Mark. So it sounds like you've got to come out and defend yourself. But of course, 
Burnley playing twice game week seven. We've talked a little bit about Morris, and we can, if people want, we can probably go into a bit more detail on Morris in, in a minute. But it seems how uh, Foster has been uh, name checked first. Um, yeah, what's the what's the, the latest with him? Well, thanks for noticing the tweet first of all. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's it's a weird thing. I'm, I'm not going to start like a, a membership club for Lyle Foster or anything like that. But when I was looking at sort of game week nine wild cards and maybe finding a, a cheap third striker, stuff like that. I was thinking, well, for an extra half a million on Archer, there's Foster, whose Burnley games do get better from sort of game week 9, 10 onwards. Like, there's actually some playable games there. He started all three of Burnley's matches, and he scored in two of them. So he's already on two goals. He's regularly starting for them. The chance of windows closed, so no more forwards are coming in. So to me, that's that's a nailed on five million forward in form, who's going to have good fixtures. And this was before the double game week was announced, so that just sort of adds to it a bit. Um, not expecting, uh, not expecting a bandwagon to form based off what I've just said, but he's interesting certainly in in terms of a differential. He he's he takes a lot of boxes there, especially if it enables some more expensive purchases elsewhere. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I see game week, double game week seven as a bit of a, an opportunity. Let's bring the season ticker back up uh, for game week five onwards. I, I see the double game week seven as, as a bit of an opportunity because I do think largely people will overlook it. I think people have been stung by double game weeks in the past, especially when it involves teams that aren't all that exciting. I mean, uh, the two that I've seen uh, get mentioned a lot this week or is obviously the, the Watford one from a number of years ago with um, Dennis getting sent off, Dennis the Menace, um, and then missing the second game. And then, of course, I think it was Veghorst had a string of doubles and largely underwhelmed as well. And so I think people are stung by that. And I think people are using those game weeks as an opportunity to, as an excuse to avoid them. And now they might be correct, but I think that simply assuming that Foster and Morris would disappoint simply because Dennis and Veghorst did. I don't think that, that that's not logical enough for me to to um, ignore it. I think to ignore it, we need to see evidence in isolation about Foster and Morris that we think they're going to disappoint us. And so um, factor also in the fact that some people are wild kind of for game week five. I think if you're well kind of a game week five, you have to just give double game week seven a miss because you don't really want to be involved in those two teams for longer than the double game week. And so wild carding at some point afterwards to get rid of those players, I think is, is the better way of doing it. Um, and so I, I, I think people who go foster, uh, I don't think it's a terrible decision. I think, I think it could work out. I was just having a look at some of his numbers. I think he might be possibly overperforming his XG at the moment because it wasn't very high. It was naught point. 9-7 I think it was um, yeah so he's had 5 shots in the box 2 big chances 3 on target also 0.91 should have been involved in uh, in just under 1 goal it's obviously been involved in 2 so far but I suppose it's only 3 games for Burnley because they've only played the 3 matches um, I am more interested in Morris I will have to say I'm more interested in him uh, his numbers are better in my opinion and his fixtures are nicer as well so while we're on the subject, uh, with him, 17 touches in the penalty area. That's four more than Foster's uh, 13. Uh, they've both created two chances, but uh, Morris has created one big one. Um, then Morris has had seven shots in the box, uh, one big chance, and two on target. His expected goal involvement is 1.74, so it's nearly a whole goal higher than uh, Foster's. But crucially, the main thing for me is actually the fixtures coming up for Luton are really good. Now, a lot of people have said, wow, how is it all of a sudden you're talking about Luton? Previously, you were saying they were terrible and that they're a team to target other teams against. Well, you know, uh, Morris doesn't get punished in FPL for the fact that his team's going to concede a lot of goals. But when you look at the worst team so far this season for minutes per expected goals conceded, you can't really do it. expected goals conceded as a raw figure yet because we do have teams that have played one fewer match. The worst ones are in in uh, reverse order, so worst first. Fulham uh, are the worst for that. Then it's Luton, then it's Sheffield United, then it's Burnley, Bournemouth, Brighton and Wolves. And so Luton's next four, Fulham, obviously the worst for expect minutes per expected goals conceded. Then it's Wolves, who are the sixth worst. Then it is Everton, who 
are kind of mid-table and they're not as bad as we thought, but it's still Everton, right? Um, and then, of course, they've got Burnley at home. Burnley are the fourth worst team for minutes, minutes per expected goals conceded. So um, the fixtures are good. And in theory, Luton should get some joy against those teams because those teams s- simply have just been, by very nature, obliging. Um, unfortunately, Burnley can't quite offer the same thing in terms of those fixtures in the longer term. So, uh, you know, Forest away. Forest are actually doing quite well defensively this season. Uh, and I'd expect them to be actually quite comfortable at the City ground and that one United at home. I mean, you're not going to expect much out of Foster at home there, even if it is United and they're not doing so well at the moment. I'm sure they'll win game week five and all of a sudden everyone will forget that they lost to Arsenal. That's usually how it works. The game, double game week, maybe, but one of them is against Newcastle. So it's like, mm, it's tricky. I, I understand the interest, but I think Morris has the edge just because his stats are a bit better. His fixtures are nicer as well. Um, so, yeah. From from game week 10, like, so if we're looking beyond those, like from game week 10, Burnley do have sort of Bournemouth, Palace, Arsenal, but then West Ham, Sheffield United, Full, uh, Wolves. So that's that's an that's a good five from six there, but that's probably too far down the line to really be thinking of right now. But I suppose when I was making that point about Foster, it was more longer term. But yeah, because yeah. yeah, in the short term, those four Luton fixtures. If if you're ever gonna if you're ever gonna get on board with Luton, it's probably for these. But that's a great double game week seven. Everton yeah, and Burnley. It's now or never really for them. Yeah, sorry, I should have said that wasn't to knock Foster as a long term option. I think I think you're right. I mean uh Morris now, Foster later would be yeah, probably the way to do it. Um I suppose the the interesting thing would be how it compares with Sheffield United's fixtures, uh, to see if it was worth justifying over Archer. And so then yeah, game week ten onwards from Burnley, Bournemouth away, as you say, Crystal Palace at home, Arsenal away, West Ham at home, Sheffield United at home, Wolves away, Sheffield United in that same run. Uh, they've got Arsenal away, Wolves at home, Brighton away, Bournemouth at home, Burnley away, Liverpool at home. So it's a little bit more in and out, you know, one heart, one nasty one, one nice one. Whereas it's a little bit more consistent for Burnley. So maybe that's what you pay the extra point five for to go Archer over, uh, to go Foster over Archer. Because I do think that in that bracket at the moment, in order to replace Archer as the third forward, I think someone really has to step up and and make some waves first. Especially if you're going to spend an extra 0.5. Foster could maybe do it. Yeah, Semenyo at Bournemouth, was um, he, he's been starting and he was looking okay, but then I think they've got a couple of players injured and they made a couple of deadline day signings. So is the next stage from that Semenyo maybe being a bit less nailed? But if it gets to game week nine and, and Semenyo is still starting for Bournemouth, there's another option. Yeah, that's very true. And again, Bournemouth for another team are just absolutely nowhere near the template right now. You wouldn't stick a Bournemouth player uh, in your game week five team with a free transfer. You wouldn't put it in a game week five wildcard because you've got Chelsea at home, Brighton away, Arsenal at home. Game week eight uh, through to game week 15, fixtures are much, much nicer. And if they can be cheap as well, also good because you've got the you've got three nice fixtures in Everton, Wolves, Burnley, then two nasty ones with City and Newcastle right next to each other. And then Sheffield United, Villa, Crystal Palace, game weeks 13 to 15. So you would need your Bournemouth player to be very, very cheap and ro- rotatable uh, just for the gap between those two. And I also think you'd probably need a wild card to justify actually bringing them in because any Bournemouth player is not going to be earning their place in your squad until at least game week eight. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, we, I think we've thoroughly answered the questions uh, in terms of the basic general talking points about when wildcards should be, should they be now. We've had a look at a game week five wildcard and we're sort of like impressed to some extent, but not impressed to the extent that we feel like we can't reach something close to that without our free transfers. Although um, what we'll say now is we'll do a, a few minutes of a bit of a, a Q&A. So if you've got any specific questions, throw them in the chat. Um, and if they're related to the wildcard, all the better. Uh, if you are wildcarding this week, give us your uh, thoughts. Or if you haven't pulled the trigger yet and you want to know if you should, uh, stick uh, a loose description of your team in the chat and we can tell you whether or not we feel like you need to pull the trigger. Um, while, we're, while we're doing that, while we're waiting for you guys to populate the uh, chat with some questions, just I will, of course, remind you guys again to sort out your Fantasy Football Scout membership for Game Week 5, the season ticker especially. I mean, even just for that alone, it's worth it. Um, the way that we're able to have a look at these different fixture swings, when they happen, for how many teams, how much of a swing it is, how much we feel like we need to make lots of transfers to invest in. 
that swing, this swing, etc. If you're looking for defensive rotations as well, uh, we looked at a couple of players in here. We feel like we'd need to bench for some game weeks. Well, those sorts of setups are even better when you compare that person with someone who can fill in their blanks for them. You'll also be able to do that in the season ticker in the members area as well. So do get yourself sorted uh, for the rest of the season uh, with that. And uh, I'm going to remind you after we've done our questions, but I'm going to remind you before we've done our questions as well. If you haven't already liked the stream, uh, do that so that we uh, we know that you enjoy uh, these uh, these streams, especially if they're about a wild card as well. Uh, subscribe to the channel and uh, hit that bell notification so you don't miss a single thing uh, between now and the Gaming 5 deadline. Uh, we will have full episodes of absolutely every recurring series. Uh, both We've had loads this week. We'll have more next week as well, so make sure you don't miss out on those. Right, I have rambled and waffled for long enough for people to type their questions out, which is good news because that means I can shut up. Um, let's start with uh, Kareem Atiyah, who says, Do I stick to Isak? Um. Well, he's 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 blanked in every match since that opening day haul, but the fixtures are about to get great again. As we just discussed with with uh, him and Wilson, though, it's it's almost like the existence of each other hurt each other. Like they're hurting themselves by existing because it sort of wipes them both out as as. As good assets really if you've already got Isak, then it might be worth just sticking with because he probably does have the edge mm. over wilson and you're not using a transfer on it so if there's there's probably more urgent buyers to put out but um i would say there might be some very shortly some some more attractive but more importantly more nailed forwards yeah, definitely a wait and see, especially with those fixtures. You'd be kicking yourself if you sold him and then he ended up doing very well. Um, next question comes from Hamnis, who says, Flecken or Leno for the long-term goalkeeper? So, it's about the Fleck Republic, right, hey, David? here we go. <laughs> um, there's some... If, if Ariola, if, if he's your second goalkeeper, he rotates quite well with Leno. I don't know how he rotates with, with Turner, for example. But um, the thing with Leno and Fulham is that Fulham have conceded the more shots on target and their defence has had some pretty poor underlying numbers. But on the other hand, that means he is getting quite a few saves in and uh, when it comes to save points and things like that. So it, it depends what you want. But being more impressed, impressed with Flecken and, and Brentford so far, to be honest, they look a bit, and their fixtures—they've had good fixtures, and they still look quite good going forward for the sort of medium term. So, um, but you're asking about the long term. Yeah, I'd probably say Flecken. I think I slightly trust Brentford more than Fulham defensively. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely on that one. I think um, Flecken is a way to go. Some decent uh, stats uh, to look at. So far, uh, save percentage, Flecken's is higher, 72.2% to Leno's 68.8%. I was kind of hoping Flecken's would be higher. Um, Turner's is actually higher than his at the moment. Um, and it's 13 saves uh, for Flecken. Uh, Leno does have 22, but he's he's facing so many that they're just the law of averages is they're going to go through. He's a very, very good goalkeeper, but it's just Fulham's defence is way too obliging. Um if we have a look at yeah we'll go back to minutes expected goals conceded Fulham have the worst they concede XG faster than any other team uh, which just means that they're going to concede a lot of the time so even when Leno concede Leno is basically going to concede pretty much all the time you're going to get a few saves so you're going to be looking at twos and threes Uh, however Brentford have the fourth best figure here only Chelsea Arsenal and Man City are conceding XG at a slower rate uh, than Brentford uh, and we haven't had a chance to double check this how they started this season but last season they had the biggest gap between big chances conceded and I think shots faced or shots in the box faced something like that you know they concede a high volume of shots but they manage to limit the quality of those shots so that the saves you're, you've got a decent chance of saves but also a decent chance of clean sheets I think Flecken's a way to go treat him like a Diet Coke David Rea until we see uh, anything else and he's cheaper than Rea ended up becoming so I think I think Flecken still is the way to go I'm not seeing anyone offering the same really I mean so I want a team that's likely to keep clean sheets so I've I've always got a keen eye on XG conceded 
from the teams that are available. Man City, I don't want Edison because even when they don't concede XG particularly fast, they just concede the one shot they face that game. Uh, Arsenal, second best. Uh, you know, Raya and Ramsdale, who's number one? No idea. Both expensive as well, at least 5 million. Uh, Chelsea, yeah, okay, you can get Sanchez there for 4.5 and they've, they're conceding XG at a slower rate than Brentford. Um, but Sanchez doesn't always fill me with confidence and also Chelsea don't fill me with confidence either. Um, and so seeing how as much of a muchness is not that much between Chelsea and Brentford as the the third or the fourth best for how fast XG is being conceded, I'd rather go Flecken because the Brentford defence, I think, is more reliable last season. So, yeah. And I also kind of think that Brentford will f- probably face more shots and then just more save points for Flecken. It's probably an honourable mention for Crystal Palace because they're the fifth best for this stat. And you've got now Dean Henderson and Sam Johnston. But again, we don't know which of those is number one. So, yeah, I just think Flecken is the obvious one. There's, I'm not that interested in the fixtures for the goalkeeper, really, um, because any of the ones that have good fixtures don't offer a 4.5 million goalkeeper. And outside of the ones, uh, looking at the teams who are operating defensively the best so far, Flecken is really the only goalkeeper that I trust uh, and can afford and I'm prepared to pay for. So... Yeah, sorry for a bit of a long-winded answer. I'm a big Flecken fan, <laughs> so nothing, nothing's changed that for me. I haven't seen anyone uh, offer better than that. Like I know Ariola can maybe offer better value for money, and West Ham's fixtures are coming around to being quite nice, but West Ham defensively are nowhere near as good as Brentford. They're sort of mid-table for XGC. Brentford are top four, so that's the way it is for me at the moment. Uh, yeah, so let's let's move on to uh, another question. What FPL Scope says, uh, Fulham's defensive data is uh, a word I'm not allowed to say on streams. Uh, he just says hard avoid. So yeah, I agree with you completely there. Um, Pete says, uh, with the Brighton injuries, is Pedro a priority sell anymore? So I guess that's sort of a way of asking, actually, do we hold on to Jao Pedro? Any thoughts there? So Enciso's injured... <sighs> a bit and then do we know the extent of Evan Ferguson's withdrawal yet Ooh, I, don't know if that was... I actually don't know I'm not sure um, let's say that, like, let's just say that that's not too bad um, of an injury so he's still fine they've also brought in an extra body in Ansu Fatty as well so ha- ha- has has that issue really got any better having said that for a 5.5 million pound forward in in the league's most attacking team, I wouldn't call it a priority sale, but if you do have the transfers, um, he's the same price as Carlton Morris, and it might be. I know suggesting going from a bright and attacking asset to a Luton seems seems crazy, but it, it could work. Um, he's not a priority sell, but even Olsen Edward 5.5, he's having a great time. There are some. Okay, alternatives at that price. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say priority, but definitely something to consider. Nice. Got two more questions. Uh, then um, let's go with um, let's go back to to Burnley. This one's from Negus, who says, "Should I start my um, Burnley bench fodder defense in?" Um, Alder, Keel and Bayer in double game week seven. So there are a lot of people who do have a four million defender on their bench, have had them since game week one, haven't used them yet. And now that that asset, which is basically just a non-person at this point, has a double game week. And so, and normally they wouldn't get a start. So what would you do if you had those guys on your bench for a double game week seven? Um, Both of them. Both of them are in the same. Yeah, it's, sounds like he's got Alder, Keel and Bayer. Yeah, well, on the one hand, you would say don't play both of them, but then it's like, well, if you ex- if you expect them, one of them to do all right, then surely it's both of them. There were so many. There's some good other defensive fixtures in game week seven. So Newcastle are at home to Burnley. Um, we got well Chelsea away to Fulham. I don't know if that's a good defensive fixture, but Chilwell can certainly have a good time there. Uh, Manchester City, if if you hit it well with Pep Roulette, they've got Wolves. So again, that's a good fixture. Arsenal, if you still got like Saliba or someone, they got Bournemouth. So th- there's a lot of good defensive fixtures that weekend. So starting 
either of the Burnleys could be difficult to justify. Certainly not both. I I would probably say probably say no. Yeah, I think Burnley especially because their double game week just looks naff. The Luton game, well, Burnley aren't showing like a team that's going to keep clean sheets. I mean, just revisiting the minutes per expected goals conceded data. They got the fourth worst stat for that in the Premier League. I think both Luton and Burnley will score against each other in game week seven because their defences are so bad that it just seems like that's going to happen. And then the other game is Newcastle. I mean, oh. Oh, that's going to hurt big time. Like Burnley aren't going to try and defend in that game. They're going to keep doing what they keep trying to do, which is try and play out from the back and play expansive football. Um, but Newcastle, I mean, they put five past Aston Villa. What can they do to Burnley? So, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't start them. I think you could be looking at minus points for your Burnley defenders that week. Do you have a thing about Burnley facing Luton and that potentially being a good fixture? I mean, at the same time, we're saying that's a good fixture for Carlton Morris as well. So... Which 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 camp are we in there? So <laughs> in that in that respect, yeah, I, I don't fancy the Burnley defenders. No, yeah, they're definitely ones to keep out of your team. I think uh, for now, um, right? So Alex uh, uh, Meacher says. Now this is an interesting one. We've got we'll, we'll go with two more from this point, and they're both wildcard related. Eze and Watkins on a game week five wildcard. It looks great as they rotate unbelievably well. Um, which that is not a rotation that I've looked at specifically. Although I mean, actually, I tell a lie. I have done for defensive because I do have cash and I have Anderson. Um, but I guess the question here is rotating a uh, I think six point five million midfielder and an eight million striker. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they're both good. Off- good options but rotating them seems a bit dangerous yeah you're gonna have an expensive player on the bench every week if you can afford that then fantastic but uh no for that i mean it i mean you could say like if diaby and edward you know it's the same two teams rotating well but it's a lot less money maybe something like that but if, if you really are fancying Isaiah and Watkins, yeah, having having to bench one of those every week is that's going to hurt a few times, definitely. Mm, absolutely, yeah, definitely try and find some way to start both of them if you can. Uh, I would say, and if you feel like one of them has fixtures that you don't like enough to bench them, maybe it's actually not worth owning them in the first place and finding someone who has better fixtures more consistently across that that run. So yeah, our last uh, question then, and it is a is a wildcard draft from Dekiru. Uh, I quite like this. Actually, quite a good draft, if I'm honest. Uh, it's Vicario and Flecken as the goalies. Uh, Udogi, Cash, Stupin, and Chilwell, and Anderson as the defenders. Saka, Shabozlai, Son, Ward-Prowse, Diaby as the midfielders. Visser, Haaland, and Wanyi with as the strikers. And somehow, I've got no idea how he managed this. Two million in the bank. That is, there is no cheap players at all. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, yes, that's a good team, but that is going to be a nightmare every week because we we just promoted how good how how good of an option Flecken is, but Tottenham have Sheffield United and Luton coming up, so one of them is going to go wrong. Um, some good attacking defenders, fair enough, uh, but in midfield, yeah, that's just going to be an upfront. But benching one of those every week is going to be difficult so good luck with that if you do it's a good team though in a way like it's lots of very good players you know ward prowse has delivered in every match for west ham so far uh big drb fan a one year as you were saying earlier quite looking forward to owning him in a way he had a great end to last season continued it into this one so there's a lot of good players there but the argument is that there might be too many good players if there is such a thing My apologies, I was muted again. You need someone who uh, is is benchable, and so then you need someone who's probably around 4.5, and the best attacker for that right now is Archer. So I'm not saying you should get Archer in there because he's better than any of those players. I just think you need a guy who is benchable except for the rare occasions. So go Archer, probably instead of... I want to say Visser. Blanked in his last two, Brentford's fixtures do drop uh, down the season ticket eventually, and that... 
gives you extra money to put elsewhere. I mean, I guess the thing is, is I don't really know where you would upgrade because there's not parts of that team that I feel like are lacking. As you said, it's sort of, if anything, Clive, he's got too many good players. Um, and so it's, it's, no, it's, knowing what, it's knowing where to spend it. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure you'd be able to find some places to do it. I mean, it would be quite... I mean, and he's got a two million as well. I mean, to be honest, let's, 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 let's think about this. Vissa down to Archer. Oh, so Bosley's seven, isn't he? So actually, the two million plus the saving you'd make there, I don't think that gets you to Salah. But it maybe gets you to a Diaz or, um, yeah, whoever else the midfielders are at Liverpool. I sometimes forget because it's kind of Salah or Bus for me. But it's a good team. It's a good team, but probably needs a bit of thought around the substitutes, uh, as you said. Yeah. Well, I think we will uh, call it a day there. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us uh, for this one. Thank you for um, your patience as well as we sat here and basically rubbish the idea of a Game Week 5 wildcard. But, you know, if it works for your team, it works for your team. Um, I th- but I think it's an important discussion to have, certainly looking at the merits of other times to play it as well um, and best ways to use your, your free transfers. Thank you also for those of you who asked questions as well. It's good to have a good chat with uh, with you guys. And, of course, thank you, Mark, as well, uh, for joining us and uh, giving us some insight. Of course, your article on the Game Week 5 wildcard, if people want it in more detail and probably uh slightly less game week five bashing than than we're going to give on the stream they can read it on the website is that is that live yet or i i'm not as au fait with the editorial schedule as i used to be so i'm going to hand over to you for this one well i think don't quote me on this but i think it's maybe three o'clock but uh, at some point this afternoon at some point there we are well if you're listening to this uh on Friday afternoon, which you might be as in later in the afternoon, may already be live. Any excuse to go to the Fantasy Football Scout website and read some of the editorial content you absolutely uh, should take. So, yeah. Well, with that, we shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of the international break and we shall see you next time.